That's a little bit better. It was a little bit better. In prayer this morning, it was a little weak. It was a little weak. So a couple people woke up. I can always count on Ricky. He's usually pretty energetic and enthused. Yeah. Ricky's like, he's, he's always like super excited and passionate. You know, Braden's the same way. You know, this morning, Braden was super excited just about life. And so like he was super loud. So we're in the car. Michelle's like not a morning person. It was fun watching uh, happen. All right. I don't know what happened. I was standing. All right. Well, we'll just go with this and see how that happens. That was interesting. All right. So anyway, so uh, yeah, it was fun watching that this morning and uh, just watching them interact. But uh, I know some of you aren't morning port morning people, but we're uh, at a great church this morning. Come on, right? Good stuff. Worship was great. So how are you guys doing this morning? All right, there we go. It's a little bit better. All right. So, hey, so um, like I said earlier, we are moving to Saturday nights, and so we're just taking uh, some time over the next couple of weeks, the weeks that we have remaining, um, just talking a little bit about uh, what we're doing and why we're moving to Saturday nights, what that's going to look for us, um, how, how this should help us in our walk with God and help us as a church to not only just grow as a church, but to grow individually in our walks with Christ. And so, um, so that's what we've been doing and just talking about and looking through. And so, so uh, just a couple things schedule-wise, just so you know, I want to keep in front of you as much information as we can. So our last Sunday here will be August 30th. Our first service will be September 5th. And so the September 5th and September 12th weekend, uh, we're just going to go and just kind of get acclimated to the space and worshiping there. And then on the 19th, that's the service that we're advertising for. If people and visitors come on the 5th and 12th, that's awesome. Uh, we're not going to say you can't come because <laughs> that would be a little bit awkward. Um, but the 19th is the service that is on all of our you know, information that we're handing out and all of that stuff. And so if you see that, that's what's kind of going on there. Um, so we've got a couple Sundays left here. And uh, one, I just want to encourage you, um, if you've yet to ever participate in setup, you should do it over the next couple Sundays, right? Just to help you just to remember what it was like here and just to have a feeling of gratitude that you would otherwise never have once we move into the new facility. I, until you lay the carpet in this gymnasium, you'll never appreciate the work that it takes to get it done. And so um, if you can, be here uh, for setup, one of the uh, weeks that we have remaining. And in fact, we're going to make it a little bit easier, easier on you. We've got three Sundays left. But on the third Sunday, we're going to do something a little bit different. On the third Sunday, we like to be things different. Obviously, we're moving our church to a Saturday night service, so we like to be different. We're not scared about different, right? So we're, we're going to go, and we're going to do something a little bit different on the last Sunday. So on the August the 30th, we're like, man, it would be a bummer of a deal if we left the YMCA and never took advantage of that beautiful pool that we have in there. So on August 30th, we're going to have a pool party, right? And so that's what we're going to do during service. We're going to have a time of prayer and, and things uh, in the morning. Um, but that's just going to be abbreviated because we're going to have a lot of fun too, right? And so uh, we're going to have some games. We're going to have some uh, just different opportunities. We're going to have some food. We're going to have just a blast. So on the 30th, we're going to have a pool party. So uh, I expect everyone to show up, right? Uh, people are going to be like, you know what? I've been on vacation. I've been traveling, but I'm going to make that a priority. You need to be there on the 30th. We're just going to have some time just to 
celebrate what God's done um, in the church since we've been here at the YMCA and celebrate and, ex- and have expectation for what he's going to do for us and through us as we move to the Methodist church. And so that's going to be happening on the 30th. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be no setup or teardown really on that Sunday. And so uh, we've got two more weeks of setup and teardown. So that's going to be um, happening and that's just good stuff. So you guys excited about that? Are you excited about that? Ricky was super excited about it. I can tell you that. If I need if I need affirmation or if I need enthusiastic response, I'm just gonna look at Ricky right there. So that's good. So that's gonna be happening. All right. So as we've been walking through and just talking about this um, Saturday opportunity for us, we've been uh, walking through Joshua chapter five and six, and that's just been something that we've been uh, talking and just helping to guide us. And it's uh, even more so just in my own life is just allowing that scripture and just the transition that was happening in the life of the Israelites at that time. So the Israelites had been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and they had been struggling and and going through their hardships, and now uh, they had changed leadership. Joshua was now in charge of the Israelites, and so Moses had passed away, and and, and most of their parents had passed away, and so that was kind of the situation they were in, and God had given them a promise of a land, and given them a promise as as a nation, and, and they had all of these amazing opportunities in front of them, and their fathers had messed it up because instead of trusting God, they decided to doubt God. Instead of to say God's going to go before us as he already has done so, they're going to say God has abandoned us, and they walked away from God's promise. And as a result of that, they had to walk around in the desert for 40 years. And their curse and their punishment or their consequence was is that now uh, they were never going to be able to enter into this land. And it wasn't until all of that generation had passed away that their sons and the daughters would now be able to take the promise that God had given the Israelites. And so this is where they are. They're standing there, and they're getting ready to step into the promise that God has for them. They're, they're facing the same fears. They're facing, facing the same giants. They're facing the same uh, consequences. They're facing all of the same realities that their parents had faced. But where their parents stood in fear, they're now standing in confident faith. And that's, for us as a church, we, we want to keep being that type of a church that says where others can see reasons to not trust God, we want to be overwhelmed by the reasons as to why God should be followed. That we stand in those moments and we say, I've got every reason to be worried. I've got every reason to feel insecure. I've got every reason to have fear. I've got every reason to say this is not going to work out, but there's something in my heart that says, I know that God's going to work things out. And I'm going to step into his promises, and I'm going to trust his faithfulness and his goodness, and I'm going to do what he's called me to do instead of walking away from the promise that's in front of me. That's the type of church we want to be. That's the type of follower of Christ that we want to be, is that we want to be committed in saying, God, no matter what, no matter what it looks like, even no matter what I feel like, I want to be overwhelmed by your goodness and your faithfulness to the point that I will believe and trust when everybody else is turning that you're a God who should be and can be followed. And so in this moment and in this situation, the Israelites are in this place where they're not only getting ready to go into immediate battles, and they know this, not only are things going to be changing, but for them in this moment, 
they had been up to this point not only just wandering, but God had been faithfully providing to them for a while. And manna had been falling from the sky, and quail had been falling from the sky. So their, their food was just naturally or supernaturally provided for them on a regular basis. And so now they're getting ready to face all of these challenges, and they're getting ready to step into these moments that scared their parents so bad that they ran away from it. Uh, and, and now it just had this massive consequence they had to deal with. And so not only are these things happening, uh, but in this midst, God, the provision that God had been given them as far as their manna and their quail, all of that stopped at this moment. And scripture shows us in in chapter 5 that it says at that moment they began to harvest from the crops of the land. And it was a moment where for them they were in a moment of transition and a moment of, uh, of having to walk out in faith. What had been God's provision to them had ceased, but they had now stepped into a moment of receiving his promise. And it required some work of him. And so we're in the same moment, you know, as a church here at a campus, is that we've had some provisions that have been given to us. There has been some things that are just supernaturally provided for us. There are things and benefits that we've had as a campus that has been beyond the work or the resource that we've put into it. We've been in a place where the Newport News Campus has provided for us and and given us resource as far as money and people and time and effort. Pastor Fred and Vanessa tirelessly now for four years have been traveling back and forth doing double duty on Saturdays and Sundays. And their family has been serving. And we've had all of those things. We've got so many people who have faithfully helped the Williamsburg Campus not just survive but thrive here in this community that this is not their church home. And so that provision has been there, and it's going to be changing a little bit. And that could cause a little bit of worry. It could cause a little bit of fear. But we can look at it and say, you know what? This is something that God's called us to do. He's now given us an opportunity not just to see him supernaturally provide where we can sit on the sidelines and just wait for something to happen. But he's now given us an opportunity to start harvesting the crops of the promise that he's given to us. And as a church, he's called us, just as a global church, God has called the church, and his church, I believe, I love the church, I believe in the church, I believe the church is God's plan A, it's not his plan B. He didn't say, okay, well, things didn't work out the way I want to, so I'm going to kind of maybe do this church thing and see how that works out, and if it fails, he's going to do. God created his church, as scripture says, to reveal his wisdom and his glory to the world. And in this community, that's our opportunity, that's our, that's our role, is to, to reveal God's glory and his power to the people in Williamsburg. That's his promise to us, that's his hope for us as a church, and we're going to be now stepping into an opportunity where we're going to have to do a little bit more work than we've had to do before. We're going to have to do a lot more work than we've had to do before in some areas. Some things are going to be different, but we can look at it not as, man, God's provision has stopped, or, or man, that's changed, and things are, we, we can now look at it and say, God has given us an opportunity to do the things that he's called us to do. To step into the moments, the dreams that he has for us individually. The, the, the moments that he has planned in eternity's past for us to speak into people's lives. For us to encourage people. For us to minister to families. He's called us to do those things and he's planned for us to do those things. And now we're stepping into those moments where we get to do those. And yeah, it's going to require some work. Yeah, it's going to require some things that are going to be difficult or maybe hard at times. But the reward is going to be so amazing. It's going to be so great. And as you move into chapter 6, you see the faithfulness of the Israelites. They say, hey, we're ready to do this. We're willing to do this. You see the Israelites do the impossible, not by might, 
but just by their voice. By trusting God, this wall that was impenetrable, this, this, this city of Jericho that could not be defeated, they didn't do it through power, they didn't do it through, through weapons, they didn't do it through ingenuity, they didn't do it through intelligence. Literally by just worshiping God and being faithful and doing the things that he gave them to do, even when it didn't make sense. They brought down an impenetrable wall with their voice. And so we can look at things and we can look at moments. And if I'm just being honest with you, there's moments where I'm just saying, man, I, in my heart, I, I feel like and I just sense that God has so much more for us as a church. He wants us to be a part of so much more. And, and you're just, you can get frustrated and discouraged when you feel that and you see something different. But I can just tell you in these moments at the same time, when God's called you to harvest something, when he's called you to do something, he's called you to give a little bit of work, God is going to faithfully provide and give you what he's called you to have. What he's given you, what he's set up to be yours, he's going to give it to you. And I'm just telling you as a church, God is preparing us as a campus to begin to step into something that is unique and something that is beautiful, and he's given us an opportunity to reach people for his glory so they can know him in a unique way. And I'm excited for what he's called us to do. So we're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to walk through this next part here in just a moment. Father, we thank you. God, I just pray, Lord, the rest of our time just be spent, Lord, for you just be directing us as church. God, for you to be calling us and encouraging us to step into your work, into your plans. God, may your word speak to us today. May your Holy Spirit guide this conversation. May it be for your glory. May it be for our good. May our eyes be open to you, and may we fall that much more in love with you. May our faith be encouraged in this moment. God, we thank you so much for it. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I failed to mention, uh, I meant to say this at the beginning, um, we are continuing, um, I've been putting my notes up on the Bible app, and so that is there if you want to follow along. If you go to the Bible app and you click on more, there's a live section, when you click on live, um, then you'll see the City Life Church, you can click on that, and it's got all of the sermon notes in there. And so, um, I kind of passively, aggressively last week, um, just challenged people to see if they liked it or not, <laughs> and uh, I got a number of responses that people like it. One of the things uh, people were saying, though, is that, that it, they can't follow up with it later on in the week. Um, so I've made two changes. Um, I'm trying, I contacted them to see how that works. Uh, one of the things I did find is if you, they don't have it on the app for some reason, but if you go to the uh, actual website, the Bible.com, and you log in there, um, you need to become a member of the group. If you become a member of the group, then you're able to see past services and present services. So you can see it online. Um, and then I've changed something. I'm trying to see if I can find a workaround uh, for the system where it'll stay up the whole week at least. And so there's two ways to do that. If you've got more questions, let me know. If you don't care, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop so you're not bored anymore. So, so, um, <clears throat> so, here, so, you know, uh, so what we've been talking about is, so why Saturday? Why, why are we moving to Saturday? Why does Newport News meet on Saturday? Like, what's the why behind this? Because if it's just to be different, that's not going to really work out, and that's going to be a bum deal for us, um, because one day it's just going to, the enthusiasm for it's just going to die. So there, there's a reason for it, and there's, there's, a, there's a purpose for it, and there's a passion behind it. See, we believe that God has called us to be a church 
that is, is doing certain things, and we believe that every church has its role and its function. We don't believe that one church is necessarily better than others, though we do think we are a pretty great church. We also believe there are great churches out there that are going to be unique in their own way, that God's called them to do unique things to reach the people that God's given them to reach. And so for us as a church, we say here, why do we want to meet on Saturdays? And the reason that we've been just kind of giving the sentence just for clarity here in Williamsburg is, is that we want to solidify the narrative of our mission and give us a clear distinctive. So we want to solidify the narrative of our mission, meaning that we want to say, here's why we do what we do, and we want to be unique as God has called us to be unique. We don't want to be just different for a different sake, but we want to be who God's called us to be and to live the way that God's called us to live, to be the community God's called us to be. And so we've been looking at that in three different ways we believe that God's given us to do that is, is that we want to be kingdom focused, we want to be actively reaching, and we want to be creating room for rest. And so those are the things that we're talking through and looking at. And when we talked about last week, we talked about kingdom focus. You can go back and listen to the podcast on that. But we believe that God's distinctly called us as a church to foster, to encourage, to do everything we can to help fight for unity amongst the local churches wherever we are. And so we want to find ways to partner with churches, to work with churches, because we know this, that Jesus himself in John chapter 17, he prayed for us to be known by our love and unity. That we be so unified, that we be so together, that we be so focused on the message and the mission of Jesus Christ, that the world looks at us and says, there's something different about that. There's something compelling about that. There's something beautiful about that. Unfortunately, the world sees more of the church being divided than they see it being unified. And you see it all across. We just spent some time traveling across the country, literally. And, and as we've been going, we went to different churches, talked to different pastors, and I'm seeing God do something unique that I have not seen him do in my life where churches are working together in a unique way. I, I, we're, going, we're partnering with a Methodist church. And I'm just telling you, like, just the way it's working out and all those things, it's a beautiful thing that I... I 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was, it never would have happened. And, and God is orchestrating in a beautiful way. He's unifying his church so that we can come together around a unified message of Jesus Christ. And it's going to be one that's going to just scream of his goodness and his glory to this world. He's given us an opportunity to that much more clearly communicate who he is and show him to be a God of love and unity. And the things in the past that we've been more focused, we've been more focused on our differences than we've been focused on the things of importance that we're unified on. And we need to move to a place as a church globally to we're focused on the things that we're in unison in and celebrate each other's differences. We've got to switch that. And God's given us a passion as a church and given us an opportunity as a church to champion that in the local community. And so we want to be kingdom focused. We want to be kingdom focused in all that we do. And we want to be actively reaching people. And so this week and next week, that's what we're going to be talking about. And so we're going to just quickly walk through three things of how today we're going to be actively reaching people. And the first one is going to be through breaking the routine. Breaking the routine. 
And, and practically, what does that mean? We're moving to Saturdays, right? So we're going to break the routine a little bit of when people expect to go to church or when they have the opportunity to go to church. There are other churches. We're not the first ones to do it. We're not the only ones that have Saturday night services. We might be one of the only ones in the area that does exclusively Saturday night services now. But we're not doing it again just to be different. We're doing it for a reason. And part of that reason is, is to break the routine to help open people's eyes and realities to the, just the things that we buy into that are traditional motives, that are just mindsets that get us into this routine, into this regularity of how we follow God and what we do. We want to create a space where people can come and be a part of a service, be a part of a church that makes them think about and look at God a little bit differently, that breaks them out of the routines that they're in, that gets them stuck in their place. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. Matthew chapter 9 is an incredible chapter where Jesus is just going through and he's just breaking the routines and messing with everybody's world as he walks through the area and through the town and then just spreads it out into the whole region. I, I absolutely love it. We'll hit that verse later on. But it's just awesome. Jesus is breaking every routine and, and every thought. And he says this in verse 12. This is out of the message translation. Jesus, overhearing, some different people talking, Pharisees talking. He shot back. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what his scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. In Matthew chapter 9, we see that Jesus came to reach the lost. We see that he came and he invaded this world so that people could know that God loves them, God cares for them, and God wants to be in relationship with them. And not only is that true, but God is making a way and has made a way through Jesus for them to be in a relationship with him. And we see as people encounter Jesus, and we saw as they saw him do his miraculous work and their lives were changed by him, we see, we see people in response to that that they are bringing people to Jesus. They can't help but tell people about Jesus because of how changed their life has been. Jesus came through and he's challenging them and he's speaking to them and he's saying, listen, you've gotten caught in a routine. You've got caught in just doing these external ways of worship and you think that's enough. See, what's happening in the religious, for the religious people as he's talking to them and, and speaking to them directly in this passage up to this point, the way of worship was to give sacrifices. And so they would give these sacrifices to atone for their sins. And really this became their external worship. This became the way that they did things. And Jesus is saying, listen, the way that you give yourself into worship, these external things that you're doing, you're really, really, really good at those. But you're really bad at noticing where people are and showing them mercy. It's not that I don't care about the external worship. It's not that I don't care about how you worship and how well you worship and the, the attention and the energy you give to your worship. But it is something to me if that's all you care about is the external. And you're not worried about your heart. And you're not worried about the people that I've given you to reach. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you've got caught up in this routine. You've got caught up in this rut that you're just doing things a certain way. And it's caused you just to get into a place where you're worried about yourself and you're worried about how other people see you instead of being focused on other people and how I see them. And so when we get in this place where we're stuck in a routine and we're stuck in a rut, we're not able to see people the way that God wants us to see them. And we're not able to live out the life that God wants us to live. One of the interesting thoughts I was challenged by something I was reading recently is, is to think about the fact that God is a creator. And this challenging thought was this, is, is that God 
has been a creator. He created all of that we know, all of existence. He created the universe. But a lot of times, just unknowingly, as we're going out, we end up in this place where we just think that God created at one time and then he stopped creating. And this writer was just saying, listen, have you thought about the fact that God is and was a creator? And then each and every one of our lives and each and every one of our days, he wants to create new experiences for us. He wants to create new opportunities for us. See, when we get stuck in these routines and we get stuck in these, these ways of doing things, we're just like, this is what God's called us to do. This is the way he's called us to do it. And we just step out and we just march in those things and we just do that stuff. But God's calling us to be people that looks to him and says, God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want you to do what you want me to do. And I want to reach the people that you've called me to reach. God, today, I want you to create a new experience for me. I want today you to create a new opportunity for me. God, today I want to walk in the day that you have planned for me and that you've made for me. How many of us, me included, that we start our day that way? Right? I mean, we go through our day, we just wake up, we go through our routines, we got our habits, right? Go down, grind the coffee beans, get them in the filter, put it in the pot, pour the water in, Pastor Shreds, amen, right? And I mean, we got our routines, right? And then we go through and we, we eat our cereal, we, we, we go through, we read the news, we read about whatever, our day starts off the same way, and there's nothing wrong with that. But man, what if we started our day off and we said, God, I don't want to be just stuck in a routine today. God, I don't want to just be okay with the fact that I showed up on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning and I praised you. I, I don't want to just be okay with the fact that maybe I go to a life group as well. Uh, today, I want to live the life that you've created for me. Today, I want to see people the way that you see people. Today, I want to step into their worlds and I want to say that you... You have so changed me, I'm not going to be able to help to take them to your feet and say, here's Jesus, he can change your life. That when people come into our world and we hear their problems and we see all of their stuff, instead of stepping into that moment and saying, man, I wish there's something I could do for you. Man, that's a bum deal for you. Good luck with that. If we've stepped into it and said, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to give. I don't know what to do. But can we go to a God right now? Who knows exactly what to do? Can, can we pray about the situation? What if our day was led in that way? What if we were willing to step out of the routine? What if we were willing to break the normalcy of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and we were to look at it and say, God, what do you have today? What do you want to do today? As Jesus is walking and he's got his plans of where he's going and what he's doing, he's constantly interrupted. And you never see Jesus frustrated by it. John, this Matthew chapter 9, it starts off with Jesus getting out of the boat, and immediately there's someone laid at his feet who's a paralytic, and he says, hey, listen, get up, right? Immediately. He's not frustrated by it. He's not discouraged by it. The Pharisees respond to it. He has a conversation with the Pharisees and talks to them. He's not frustrated by it. He's not discouraged by it. Jesus keeps going. John, the disciple, is in prison, and he sends his disciples to he sends, or not John the disciple, John the Baptist, sends his disciples, there we go, sends his disciples to Jesus, and he's like, you know, they're like, hey, dude, he's in prison, and you guys are, like, out, like, feasting and, like, celebrating, and, like, we're, like, fasting and mourning and, like, you know, calling out to God and stuff, and you're, like, just having a blast, like, you know, what's going on here? Jesus is not discouraged by it. Jesus is not frustrated by it. What does he do? He points them to God's activity and God's work and says, listen, God is in control. He's at work just trust him. 
Don't get distracted by this. Don't get distracted and caught up in what you think should happen or the way things should be. Look to him. Get yourself out of that mold and say that God can do what God wants to do because he's God. And I, if I follow him and trust him, he's going to give me the opportunity, the faith, and the strength to do what he's called me to do. We gotta break the routine and we gotta get out of it. And we do that by looking for greater views. We do it by looking for greater views. So when we were on our trip, we just took a two-week trip and we went out to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, we drove the entire way there. We, we spent um, over 90 hours in the car, covered over 5,000 miles. Um, it was a lot of fun. We went through re three rental cars to do it. Um, we, we, we had a journey. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> But when we were out there, our, our trip to Denver, so we had things kind of loosely planned. We were very kind of just like spontaneous. We'll do whatever we do today, and it was a lot of fun. And, but when we, when we got to Denver, that was the only place we wanted to stay in a hotel because we just wanted one night where we weren't sleeping in somebody else's house, you know. <laughs> we were just like, just have some kind of normalcy. And so we're like, we're going to go stay in a, a hotel. And, um, and, man, it was a chaotic story that I don't have time to tell you. We ended up, like, in a hotel at, like, 1230 at night, and it was absolutely disgusting. And we wished that we were in somebody else's house, right? And so one of the things that we had planned on is to stay in the hotel, sleep in a little bit, wake up, and just go walk around Denver. And so because of the way the night went and because of everything, Braden wasn't feeling super good. And, and they weren't super excited about, you know, walking around in the city and, and those things like that. So we just went and got some voodoo donuts, which is like donuts covered with cereal and all kinds of stuff. It was life-changing. If you've never had a donut covered in Captain Crunch, I'm just telling you, you haven't lived yet. And so, so as we're going through and, and we're, we're getting the donut, we're driving around Denver and we're looking. It's one of my favorite cities. I absolutely love it. And, uh, and we're like, you know what, let's just go ahead and just head towards Salt Lake. But instead of going the route that it's telling us to go, let's take a completely different route. And so instead of going up 74, I think it was, or whatever, whatever the highway was, we decided to go a completely different route and drive straight through the heart of the Rocky Mountains. And it added like an hour and a half to our trip. We were like, whatever, we don't have anywhere to go. We're just kind of driving anyways. And when we were up there, it was one of the most beautiful views we've ever experienced. It was absolutely amazing. I've been to the Rockies two times, and there's one point that we always go to. Michelle loves waterfalls, and so we always go to this one spot the two times that I've taken her there. And, and, and you know, it's beautiful, but it just looks different. This, what we experienced, you, I mean, you take two or three or how many ever hours we took to drive through the Rockies. What we saw, it was so different than anything I experienced. It was absolutely gorgeous. And we would stop off at a scenic view and just look and see the things and take pictures next to the rivers. And I mean, and then you see these people, they live there on a regular basis, you know, and you're just like, wow, you guys live in heaven. I really don't like you, you know, and you're just like, this is gorgeous. And how much money do you make to have that house? But anyways, you know, and so, you know, so we're just sitting there and we just loved it, had an absolute blast. We stopped at this one city, was one town. Michelle and I have decided that at some point in our lives we're going to live there because it was just awesome. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a ski resort place, but they had this massive pool that was actually a hot tub. Like the entire thing was naturally heated by the earth and it was like two Olympic size swimming pools, right? It was awesome. And you just drove across the road and you just hundreds of people out there just lounging in a hot tub. You're just like, that's amazing. Uh, and there's ski stuff and there's all kinds of, we had so much fun. But we just I didn't have that plan. We ended up spending three and a half hours in that town. We were supposed to be in Salt Lake by like, I think seven o'clock at night. We didn't get there until after midnight. And we were just like, whatever. We just took time to take in these scenic views and just to get a greater view of this world that we live in. 
And it was an incredible moment for us as a family. It was so much fun, and I absolutely loved it because as we did that, just time after time after time, Braden would just respond, and he goes, man, God, you're just so big, just all by his own in the car back there. And, like, I'm just as a dad, just like, ha, this is awesome. You know, that my kids are back there talking about how awesome God is and how beautiful the world is, and they just took a moment to have a greater view of this world and this life that God's called us to live. And we've got to take time and we've got to make sure that we're doing what we can to have these views that we have that are oftentimes set by our routines shifted so that we can have a greater view of what God is doing. As we move into this campus, as we move into this opportunity, it's not just about us moving on Saturday nights and not having to do set up and tear down. As I said last week, I said this very emphatically, and I meant it, and I still mean it. I'm going to be one of the first ones to celebrate the fact that we do not have to lay down this carpet anymore, right? I'm going to be one of the first ones to celebrate it, but I can tell you this at the same time. If that is the sole reason that we're moving to Saturday nights, we will stay right here in the YMCA. We're not moving just to get out of setup and tear down. We're moving to be a part of what God's called us to be and to be the church that he wants us to be. Because there's people that he wants us to reach. This is not just about us having a better place to be. This is about us being positioned as God wants us to be to reach people. And so when we look at this, we don't want to just look at it and it's like, oh, that's cool. The Methodist church is awesome. We want to say, man, that's a church that's seeking God. That's a church who's looking to God. It's a church that's being used by God to do the things that he wants them to do. It's another church that's kingdom focused. And I can't wait to step into those moments and be a part of that with them. We have to change our view and look at things differently. As John's disciples are standing there and talking to Jesus, he goes back to him in another chapter, in another book. He says, listen, go back to John and say, hey, this is what you looked for. This is what you hoped for. This is what you pray for. Don't sit in prison mad. Sit in, in prison right now happy and excited that what I said was going to happen, what you preached is going to happen, is happening. The lame are being healed. The blind are able to see, and people are experiencing and knowing the kingdom of God. Like, don't be discouraged about where you are. Change your view, John. And he's saying the same thing to us. Change your view. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we see this, is that we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He's given us a work to do. He's given us things to do and, and opportunities to step into. And we should look at that and say, God, I want to do whatever you've called me to do. I want to work in those things. I was going to read this, but I don't really have time to at this point. But in Philippians chapter 1, Paul is writing in all the Philippians, and he's in prison, and he writes a book about joy. And in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 19, he says this. He says, listen, don't be discouraged on my behalf. Where I am is where God wants me. And because I'm here, the gospel's going forward. That's got to be our view in whatever we're doing. Whatever your situation is, maybe even in your own personal life right now, there are things that you're facing, there are things that you're encountering and that you're going through, and you could just say, God, I wish this wasn't real. Like, could you just change this for me? What if we were to shift our view in those situations and God says, I have you where you have you. Maybe it's a consequence of a dumb decision that you made or somebody else made that's just been forced upon you. And I'm sorry about that, but make the best of it. Have a greater view of where you are. How can the gospel go forward in your situation? How can the gospel move forward in where you are and what you're going through? Is there a way that if you were to say, I'm going to trust God where I am, and I'm going to believe that he's at work, that he's going to be able to advance the gospel in a greater way? 
There are things about us, yeah, that is a church that we would love to change. There's things that we would love to grow in. But can we just look at it and say God's positioning us, he's changing us, he's moving us, he's helping us to be the church that he wants us to be. Maybe we're not perfect in a lot of different ways. Maybe we could get a better, looker pastor, better looking pastor up here. Maybe there's a lot of things that could happen, you know, uh, in this church. But, man, God's called us to be a community. And he's, got, he's called us to pursue him. And he's called us to reach people. And where we are and what we're going through is where we are and what we have to deal with. And that doesn't mean that God can't move and that he won't work. It actually could be exactly where God wants us to be so that the gospel can be proclaimed. The situations you're going through, I mean, the, 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 the thing that you're facing, it is a massive opportunity for you to be able to share the gospel. I mean, when you look at people that are the most generous people in the world, they have influence in your life because of their generosity. There are people that I follow on Twitter and that I read their books and that I do all this different stuff. I don't even know them. And the reason I do is because I've heard of and I know the generosity that they have in their life and it's impacting, it's influencing. I want that to be in my life as much as it can be. I want to be influenced by those people. There are people that have forgiven the biggest grievances and have overcome the biggest things in, in their lives. And those people are people that are able to speak into my life because I want to follow them. Because when they could have walked away, when they could have turned, they decided to stand firm where they were and say, God, you're going to do something through this. And now those individuals, those families, those people, those businesses, they're able to do things for God that very few can do because they were trusting him in a moment of suffering. They were trusting him in a moment when their circumstances were less than what they wanted them to be. But they said, God, you can do something different. I'm going to have a greater view of what we're going through and what we're experiencing. And God, every single time, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it transcends our circumstances. It transcends our circumstances, and we need to be a church that is living that way, living in the fullness of life that he wants us to know. See, the fullness that he wants us to know is, it's not that I have everything that I want and I'm experiencing everything that I want to experience. The fullness that he wants us to have, the fullness that we talk about as a church, the eternal life now, this heaven now experiences, is that fullness that you can forgive when no one else is able to forgive. That you can know joy at an incredible level. That you can know the joy of giving. That you can know the peace of forgiveness. That you can know the freedom to serve. Instead of seeing what you deserve, you cherish what you already have. It's when we live different, when we stepped out of these routines that we get caught up in this world, these expectations that we bring on to ourselves. When we get rid of those things and step out of it and say, God, I want to follow you and I want to do what you have for me to do. And God, I'm going to step into these things and experience you in a a whole new way and I'm going to reach people and I'm just going to have a different view, a greater view of what you're doing, then he moves us into this place where we start to become what we believe. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 it ends this way for this chapter. It says then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He's just causing all kinds of stuff throughout the whole area and he's just like alright I'm going to go ahead and make a tour out of this. <laughs> just goes to the different villages and makes a circuit out of the towns and villages and he's taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies. He healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. Jesus said, what a huge harvest. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. We need to become what we believe.
We believe that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We believe that Jesus came to change and transform lives. We believe that Jesus came so that we could have a fullness of life now, so that we can know him now and be with him for all of eternity. That is what we believe. When you read scripture and you see people encountering Jesus every time, when they encountered him and experienced him in a powerful way, they brought somebody to Jesus. When the message in the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out in truth, it impacts and influences people. And people want to be a part of that. They want to experience that. They want that life change in their world. They want to see wounds that cannot be healed by anything the world has to offer healed in a moment. They want to experience life change. They want to experience wholeness. They want to experience brokenness being mended. That's what they want to experience. And it takes a church unified with a kingdom focus for the glory and the goodness of Jesus Christ to be exalted and his people to say, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I want to reach people because that's what you came to do. I believe you came to do those things, and that's who I'm going to become. And that's what we need to be as a church. That's what we need to do as a church. Why are we encouraging you to hang out the door hangers? We do not want to expand the brand of City Life. That's not what we're out to do. We're out to tell people about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We don't want another person to say, wow, I love that church. We want another person to say, I love Jesus, and I love the community he's called me to be a part of at City Life. That's what we're about. And so when we're encouraging, go put out the door hangers and send out postcards and hand out invite cards. It's a step into opportunities to tell people about the goodness of God and say, he's changed my life and he can change yours too. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he wants us to be as a church. So why are we moving to Saturday nights? Because we want to reach people. Because Jesus has called us to reach them. So there's going to be some things that we're going to talk about next week. Opportunities and ways that we can step into that. But my question to you this week is, is as the worship team comes up, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've made that vow of devotion to follow him, my question to you this morning is, is do you believe that Jesus can save and that he wants others to know him as you do? Do you believe that? If you do, he's called us to do some work. And he's given us an opportunity to begin to reap from the fields that he's called us to harvest. We gotta step into that. We gotta trust that and we gotta believe that. So for us as a church, it means, yeah, we gotta put some work. We gotta do some stuff. It means that as we go to reach people, that we're gonna reach people that don't look like us, that don't act like us. We're gonna reach some people that have messy lives. But that's the people that Jesus came to reach. That's the people that Jesus went after. And if you want to be really honest and really true about it, the church should be a place. It's not recovering from messiness. It's just getting more and more open about our messiness. It should be a place where we can say, listen, <laughs> it's not about me being perfect and about me showing you how perfect I am and how God just made everything right. It's about me just realizing that I'm seriously jacked up and I needed Jesus. And the more that I get close to him, the more I realized how messed up I really was and how much more I need him. So I'm not perfect yet. I'm not even close to it. Man, I'm totally different. I'm totally different. I'm a totally different person because of Jesus. God's not gonna make everything perfect in your life today, right now in this second. But he's gonna make you a new person.
He's going to give you a way, and he's going to give you a reason. He's going to give you the opportunity just to keep on believing, to keep on hoping. He's going to give you a reason to have faith. He's going to give you a reason to see that maybe things aren't ideal, but they're completely different all at the same time. He's called us to share that gospel with people and to give people hope and reason. And this morning, if you've never made that vow of devotion with Christ and you've never had that opportunity that moment to say, I, I want to give my life to him. And, and you say, I don't know if I can believe that Jesus saves. I, I don't know if I can say that I can believe that he wants others to know him. But maybe this morning, as you're hearing this, and maybe as I was even talking, you were reading through Matthew, or you were looking at different places, and you see Jesus coming into people's worlds where they are. Not asking them to be anything that they're not. Not asking them to do anything they couldn't do. But for them just to believe in him. And he changed their worlds. He changed their situations. He changed everything about them at a core level. In some cases, he even removed some of their circumstances that kept them and hurdled them, kept them, they were presented as hurdles that kept them back from living life. When you look at that situation, I just ask you this morning is, is that, can you believe that Jesus can make you new? That right now, Jesus is looking at you and he's not asking you to fix everything before you come to him. He's not asking you to change everything about yourself. He's not asking you to, to, to go through all these crazy things and to say, okay, God, am I good enough now? But he's looking at you and he says, listen, I made you. I have a plan for you. I have a dream for you. I want you to live the life that I have planned for you. I want you to know the things that I hope for you. As a loving and caring father, I want you to know me on a real level, on an intimate level, and I want you to know fullness of life, and I want you to know joy, real joy. I want you to know peace, that when you look at your stuff and you see your mess, you're not buried by it, you're not overwhelmed by it, but you see that you can freely give it to God and that God can work in the midst of your mess. Can you believe that God wants to make you new? that he loves you, that when he looks at you, he sees his son, he sees his daughter, that he wants you to be that in his eye and in his life. That he wants to extend love and mercy to you, that he's not waiting to drop a hammer on you, but he's waiting to wrap his arms around you. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. This morning, if that's you and you say, I don't have that relationship with him, I don't feel that way, I don't know those things, I'm not sure of those things, I'm not confident in those things. When I look at myself, I see more guilt and shame than I see love. When I think about God, all I feel is judgment. When I think about God, all I feel is resistance or hatred. Can I just tell you this morning, the greater view that God wants you to have is, is that when he looks at you, he doesn't see your mess. When he looks at you, he doesn't see your failures. When he looks at you, he doesn't see those things. When he looks at you, he sees who he wants you to be and who you can become through Jesus. That this morning, he wants to make you his masterpiece. That this morning, he wants to make you new. This morning, he wants to make you his. 
and he wants to give you a new life. That's you this morning. Here in just a second, I just want you to look up at me and just make eye contact with me and say, that's me, Pastor Jamie. That's what I need. That's what God wants me to do. That's the greater view I need to have in this moment. So if that's you, you don't have to do anything else. Just look up and just make eye contact with me and say, that's me, Pastor Jamie. I need to do that. I need to have that greater view. I need to believe that God sees me that way and that I can be made new through Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, just look up and say, that's me. Father, this morning, for each of us here this morning, that feels distant from you, feels apart from you, feels isolated from you, God, this morning, in our faith, as weak as we may feel it is, God, when we look at you and we say, God, I need you. God, I don't know if I can believe that you can make me new, but I need you to. God, I pray, Lord, that we acknowledge and see that sin is real and it's present in our lives. And that the consequence of sin is going to be death in this life and it's going to be separation from you for all of eternity. And that's the last thing that we want and it's the last thing that we need this morning. Help us to acknowledge our sin and help us to believe and to have faith that Jesus has conquered all. And that through belief in him and confessing him as Lord and Savior and making a vow of devotion to follow him in that moment that we will be made new. Father, for all of us in this service, we're believers. We're confident in who you are. Maybe that's even in varying degrees and varying levels. God, this morning, help us to break from the routine of what we expect, of what we live, and help us to step into a new faith. Help us to step into a new place of living and trusting. God, that we obediently walk into the, the moments and the things that you're creating for us on a daily basis. God, that we live our lives to share the gospel and to share the good news of who you are. God, that we have a greater view of our circumstances, that we understand and know, Lord, that our circumstances are transcended by the gospel, that they do not dictate and declare who we are, but only Jesus does. And Father, help us, Lord, to believe and to become what we believe, to do the things that you've called us to do, and to be and to become who Jesus was, one who proclaims and shares the kingdom news in this world, that he has come for life and joy so that we can know him, so that we can be made right with you, so that we can stand new today in every way. Father, may this happen this morning. In this moment, as we stand to lift our voice and to worship you, God, we pray, Lord, that you move and that you change our hearts, that you help us to actively reach people in this community for your good news. Will you stand with me worship as we sing this song? Sure.